The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, we want to pose a very, very simple question. Do we have enough public spaces for kids in our towns and cities in this country? Be they playgrounds, playing pitches, open green spaces, hangout spaces for teenagers, you name it. With me to discuss is Sinead Nivrodic, who's a teacher in Galway Educate Together National School, Dr Anne Kyo, who's a senior clinical psychologist and a chartered member of the Psychological Society of Ireland, and Dr Carol Barron, an associate professor in DCU. You are all very, very welcome. Um, uh, Carla, I, I might start with yourself. Um, do we have enough spaces? No, is the short answer. Um, particularly for, I suppose, one particular age group, if you look at how many playgrounds and multi-use game areas we have, probably the population least well served would be teenagers in relation to hangout spaces. So I think as a society, we accept that there should be playgrounds for children, um, but we seem to be less um, in, involved in looking at spaces for our, for the older children. And what, what do you imagine those spaces look like? What does a hangout space in the public realm look like for teenagers? Well, t- teenagers play slightly, they mightn't call it play. Anyway, it's, it's more, it is hangout. So what they're looking for there is they look for like multiple behaviours they can use in one space. So they want somewhere to sit down, to hang out with their mates, to charge up their phone, maybe an area with, you know, like with a shelter, when you think of seasonality in Ireland. So they don't look for a lot of fixed equipment as such, um, as you might want with younger children. So it is slightly different. Their, their, their recreation needs are slightly different, but they're not more expensive. And what's the value in, in these spaces, just from a, a kind of a developmental point of view or anything else? There's there's huge developmental value across all the the age cohorts, you know, from birth up to 18, you know, be it emotional development, psychological, physical. But there's also children and teenagers have a right to play under the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. And it's important to acknowledge that right to play, looking at no outcome from it, just just for for the importance of of it in the children's lives themselves. Uh, Sinead and Yvrodig, the teacher in Galway Educate Together, who I mentioned is with us uh, uh, as well. Sinead, um, do you think more work needs to be done, you know, by local authorities, by the government, by other public policy makers, whoever it happens to be, to, to create more of these spaces? 100%. Um, in schools, you know, there's been an awful lot, in primary school in particular, there's been an awful lot of development in terms of um, inclusion and uh, including all children of all abilities. Um, and an awful lot of their school day within the classroom has become a highly scaffold, scaffolded uh, experience, learning experience. And then the doors open to the yard and the children run out. And really, it's become uh, almost a, a very stark difference between what's happening in the classroom and then out in the yard. They're kind of uh, left to fend for themselves quite often a lot of Irish schoolyards are uh, of a concrete nature a flat um, concrete uh, expanse where um, there really isn't the, the, the opportunities for children to engage in, in, in play at their own developmental level um, and it's something that I would certainly feel that hasn't been addressed by the Department of Education in any way shape or form in terms of funding or guidance or any kind of uh, um, leadership in terms of creating uh, outdoor play spaces for children that suit all 
children's needs for the, for their school day. Now, you, you, you know what will happen today. Every time we talk about something like this, people will text in and suggest you know, that children should be out using their imagination. They don't need us to kind of insert all of these distractions in those kind of concrete pens you describe. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, what's what really what we're looking at now is just that every every child's needs are different and that for some, this kind of highly stimulating, highly busy, highly chaotic or uh, um, situation outside can really suit them. They could be very, very highly social. They could thrive on that environment. And then for other children, it's entirely overwhelming. Um, and then also there's a huge amount of social communication skills that are needed to kind of survive that kind of environment. And by just introducing things like having a loose parts play where they can uh, construct and have construction equipment and things that allow children to actually be beside each other and engage in activities rather than having to actually socially communicate and, uh, and engage in that kind of, you know, imaginative play all the time. You know, it's about providing different sets of environments as opposed to just one where all children are expected to survive it. Uh, to, to a degree, is this kind of a legacy? I'm not so necessarily talking about the schoolyard, uh, Sinead, but when we look at the broader public realm in, in our towns and cities, is, it, is the challenge kind of engineering in retrospect that you know we didn't have these things kind of uh, uh, planned 40, 50, 60, 100 years ago whatever it happens uh, to be and now we have to go back and try and create these spaces I imagine what's changed now in terms of society is just that freedom to roam. Children don't have that same freedom to roam and to explore and to to, to find these environments that, that suit them and nurture them. So yes, I would think that yes, there is definitely a need to retrospectively look at that now and say, well, where can we now provide that same experience? They say that play is the work of a child. So if that is their, their sole aim is to have children to allow them the freedom to play and uh, and like that to not have any um not to be kind of needing to 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 guide it too much but to allow them that 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 freedom so yes maybe it is the case that in towns and cities now we need to look at providing these areas that are safe that do give that sense of freedom but are also safe places for our children to go to. Uh, Anne Kyo is with us as well, the senior clinical psychologist. And and what's the, the, the pitch, first of all, from a psychological point of view, in terms of the value of these spaces? And ideally, how would you see them incorporated into the kind of the living landscape? I suppose just to second what Sinead and Carol have already said, like these spaces are hugely important for development and for learning. And if you think movement and vitamin D and being outside, it helps brain function, it helps attention. These experiences in the natural world world of risk and of taking risks or of being physical, being dirty, falling, touching natural things, you know, being able to be the own agent in your game with when you're playing with something outside is so important for a child's development. It's important for all of our development. And, and life has changed. We have a major shift away from outdoor play into indoor play where, you know, the natural behaviours a child might exhibit like jumping or tumbling or throwing look really disruptive. Actually, if you're in, a, in an open space, that looks wonderful. It's great. So we're, we're learning, children are learning in different ways and we mm. need to allow them back out. Now, it's a great time of year for this because we're coming out of our winter hibernation, if you like. So you'll see how people regulate their nervous systems or they become less irritable or sleep better or, you know, learn better or feel more connected from being outside. Mm. That's what we're looking for. Uh, is the need for these type of spaces, I mean, they've always existed, but arguably the need is, is more acute now. Is it when we have more 
people, more families and kids living in apartments so they don't necessarily have that space outside the door and even people with a bit of space outside the door, those spaces are often very small. Absolutely. Or they're quite sanitised. If you look at playgrounds nowadays, that there's kind of trying to reduce risk and, you know, risk of litigation, if you like, or accidents. But actually, children want to play and learn in the natural environment. And some those who maybe don't have an outdoor space really will need to access one. Anybody who doesn't have an outdoor space will need to access one. And in, that the effect of that is seen in their learning, in their behaviour, in all of those things that some, sometimes can look difficult, can be regulated through outdoor activity and engagement. Uh, one of our listeners says, we're developing an outdoor intergenerational community hub in Gorn and Kilkenny. It's designed for all from birth to elderly and inclusive of additional needs. It's an integrated playscape, including ball courts, walking track and a space to socialise and build links. It'll cost about half a million quid when completed and have significant government funding. We need to get creative with our recreational and play spaces. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing, is how that uh, texter puts it. Siobhan in Dublin 12 says Dublin City Council recently opened a teen zone in Sundrive Park in Crumlin, separate from the kids' playground. It is a zip line, a few swings and lots of benches or leaning bars. There's also a music box which will amplify sounds from a phone when it's manually wound up. It's excellent, really well designed, ideal for teenagers who used to just hang around the kids' playground scaring the smallies. And that's from Siobhan in Dublin 12. Um, Carol, can I, I put that point to you? I mean, I guess sometimes maybe the nervousness from some policymakers or planners in, in creating a space for teenagers is that they don't kind of, uh, there's a kind of a natural apprehension maybe, um, misguided as it might be, to, 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 to allowing teenagers kind of congregate. They think, oh God, no, there'll be antisocial behaviour, some of them will be drinking, stuff will get broken. There, there is an element of that, although to be fair to a lot of county councillors and the parks superintendents in a lot of these county councils, they are very open to trying to develop up places for teen spaces. Like in Kildare recently in Selbridge, we did work um, asking the teenagers what they wanted in the town. And not only did they identify it, they have designed it up and that will be used as a spec for the architects to develop it. So, And it's again, children have a right to have a say in what they want. We, we think we know what they would like for play, but really they're the experts there. So I think we, we could do a lot more, including children when we're designing these spaces, be they playgrounds or, you know, linking in play and recreation with, with the greenways, blueways, the forestries, parks, as well as playgrounds and hangout spaces. Every small village had a handball alley provided years ago. Brilliant for teenagers to hang out in, says one listener. And Irish teens have very few hobbies, interests or pastimes. There aren't nearly enough covered spaces for sports, etc. Hence teens in pubs all day on a Saturday, says Porrick. Teens hanging around in pubs all day on a Saturday. They are, according to Porrick. Anyway, Porrick, thanks for the text. 87 1400 106 thank you as well. Teacher in Galway Educate Together National School. Dr. Anne Kyo, Senior Clinical Psychologist and Dr. Carol Barron, Associate Professor in DCU. Thank you all for joining me here on The Hard Shoulder. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy. With Nissan. Weekdays from four. On News Talk.